This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Kelly Rimmer, welcome back to Better Reading. Thank you, Cheryl. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, no, well, things have changed since we spoke last, so we, I really want to hear all the gossip and what's happening out there. Firstly, Kelly is the author of 13 historical and contemporary fiction novels, including The German Wife, The Warsaw Orphan, The Things We Cannot Say, and Truths I Never Told You, with more than 2 million books sold. Her books have been translated into dozens of languages and have appeared on bestseller lists around the world, including The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today. In 2022, Kelly purchased the Collins Booksellers in Orange. How exciting. I know, bookseller. I know. It's wild. It's yeah, wild. Yeah, all right. Her latest novel, The Paris Agent, follows two otherwise ordinary women who become female spies in World War II France, and it is inspired by real-life female agents whose incredible stories have never been before brought to readers. So that's a, a huge story in itself. But firstly, I want to talk about the bookshop. Now, there are people, there are authors out there who own bookshops, and one of them most famously in Nashville, what's her yes. name? Uh, uh, yeah. uh, Anne Patchett. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I just read her latest book and it's brilliant. She She's wonderful? amazing. She yes. really is. She really is. I've um recorded a podcast with her and I'm I'm keen oh. to get to her bookshop, but I'm also keen to get to yours. <laughs> yes. Well, mine's Tell a little closer. It. Mine's yeah. easier to get to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk to me about yours and how it came about <laughs> and why. Oh, look, it's we my husband and I had kind of talked about you know, we we loved the bookshop and the previous owners were local legends. Margaret and Phil Schwebel had run it for 25 years. And I, in the back of my mind, I wondered if they might soon want to retire. Little did I know they very much wanted to retire and in fact had been trying to retire for several years. And the only reason I really realized that they were actually trying to sell the bookstore was Joanna Nell, fabulous Australian author, Joanna yes, Nell came we love through. Joanna. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, And she visited and had a post on her social media where she said she'd been in. She'd only, you know, flying visit, just popped through. And someone sent it to me and said, oh, do you know her? And I've met her and she's lovely and wonderful. And, she of course, really I adore is. her. But when I clicked on the post, the first comment was someone saying, yeah, that is a great bookshop. I saw it's for sale. And so I was straight like, and you had it. You I hadn't seen it. seen it. No, I didn't know. And I had never actually said to Margaret and Phil, you know, this might be yeah. a possibility because they'd never said to me that they were hoping to retire. And so it all just went from there. So um, I said to Joanna, if this is a disaster, I'm going to hold her personally responsible. No, I'm only of kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it was course. just meant to be, I think. Just yeah, kind of wow. the timing was just right. And so, so yeah. So, uh, so you went in and approached them and they were like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They were basically like, he had 
have the keys today. We want yeah. to go on a holiday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, because I owned a bookshop many, many years ago, but it is hard work. I mean, it's it such a delight to be in this industry. It's wonderful and we're so privileged. Mm. I I pinch myself every day, you know. I mm, me too. Great, yeah, you too. I mean, here I am talking to Kelly Rimmer. You know, like there are <laughs> yeah. so many things that I do and I have to think, oh, my God, that's what I do. And I was the same when I had the bookshop. But it is hard work. And people think mm. you sit around and read books all day. And mm. that does not happen. Mm. No, it doesn't. There is a degree of that though. And, yeah. you know, and my book addiction is now a real problem. Well, we just moved house and the number of boxes of books. <laughs> I'm in there all the time and they're right in front of me. Um, but I have I have a really good team. So yeah. I couldn't do this. I This was always going to be secondary to my writing. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't have done it if I didn't have the right staff. So yeah. I've got an amazing manager, an amazing assistant, amazing assistant manager, just and just like the best book selling staff in the world. So that makes a big difference. It does make a huge difference. And in any business, you know, I feel the For same sure. way about yep. my team. I mean, just incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also they give you the freedom. My team gives me the freedom to come up with ideas and to strategize about big picture stuff because they're actually doing the day-to-day work. Yes. And you'll yep. find that's probably the same. Oh, the absolutely. Shop. That's exactly right. And, you know, we we bounce off each other and we have, yeah. you know, we can together we can do so much more than we can do when we're not working together and, yeah. and all, all the same things. So, yeah, yeah so okay. that's how it happened. Yeah. And tell me about bookshops and communities because there are so oh many my communities goodness. without bookshops. Yeah. Oh, I know. Look, how long have you got? Because I could talk about this all day. And this was part of the reason. This is the the little sliver of of like, yeah. you know, in deciding to do this, this isn't just a normal business. This is a community yeah. literacy hub. And it's really, really important that a local person owns it. And it's really, really important that it exists. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for, for the community of Orange, this is a place where people it's not just a place where people buy their books. You know, this is a center of so many discussions about literacy, this in our fabulous library, which we work mm. so closely with for, you know, visiting authors and events and all sorts of things. But community bookshops connect people to story and mm. story drives culture and culture makes nations. And I know mm. that sounds all very like airy fairy and but it, it is absolutely just the case. And it's so important that we have, we're so lucky to have a thriving independent bookstore culture in Australia. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that we protect it and support it. So. Absolutely. Well, we're here to support you um, and to support the bookshop. <laughs> we really are. When Thank I, you. I think it was Jane in the office who told me, she said, Kelly Rumors bought a bookshop. I, I said, let's. Let's talk to her. Thank Let's you. Yes. Thank you. We love them. Thank you. We love bookshops. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. They're so Fantastic. important. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, so y'all. you're going to take us on a tour. Yes. Uh, I'll do a video yes. for you and show you. Yes. And we're about to renovate next year. So I might oh. need to do another one for you next year because we're expanding. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we might even come and visit. Oh, know? please do. No, That'd be amazing. Up. Yeah, we might do <laughs> Come that. for a visit. Okay. Talk to me about the Paris agent and how that came about. This is, you know, sometimes there's the seeds of stories and books, they pop into my head at ridiculous times. And it's not always now, it's it's sometimes, you know, through scattered throughout the decades. And in this case, it was 2011. Mm, yep, early 2011. And I was pregnant with my second child and my husband suggested the name Violette. And I oh, uh, went off and Googled it. Mm. as you do when you're pregnant and mm. thinking about baby names. And the first thing that popped up was an article about Violette Sabo. 
who was an SOE agent, an all-round amazing woman. And so I forgot about baby names and just read about her for hours. And so for years, I wasn't writing full-time then. I was writing for fun. But, you know, in in the back of my mind, I thought I would love to tell a story inspired by this woman one day. And then a few years ago, I was out walking my dogs listening to a, a history podcast. And the podcast ended up being about another SOE agent, Diana Rowden. And by then I'd kind of realized Violet is, is as far as SOE agents go, she's quite famous. And there are some SOE agents who really did become well-known, but Diana Rowden was, is a lesser known agent and her story's every bit as incredible. And so that was kind of the two seeds started to germinate then. And so a couple of years ago, I decided to write. Mm -hmm. How long does it take you to write a book? Uh, I don't know from, see, in this case, I've been thinking about Violet for you know, 11 years, roughly, you know, and, and that's almost a pre-research just mm. from that fascination. Yeah, 18 months, two years, sometimes mm. less, sometimes mm. more. There's mm. always the overlap where you're talking about the last book while you're working on the next one. Mm. Remind me how you came to writing. Now, from memory, you started writing ebooks. Is that right? Yeah. I so I actually, right. I, yeah, my first four books were published, published digitally. And so, but it was just a case of that I thought that publisher looked fabulous and I was excited about them and they were new. And I thought maybe the slush pile wasn't so long yet. And so I submitted to them when I was finally ready to submit and we went from there. And talk they're not so small about, now. No, <laughs> talk to me about the ebooks, how that came about and how your first story came about. Yeah, so my the book that I submitted to them, the publisher's book, Ature, they're a UK-based yeah. publisher, the, the first book that I submitted to them I'd written, you know, 10 years earlier and had just oh, wow. kind of sat on. So I was always and always have been just someone who wrote for fun and yeah. wrote, you know, just for my hobby. Um, Why did you choose that book to submit? Yeah, I'd let some friends read parts of it. And they loved it and said what nice it things. It's called Me Without You. Yeah. Um, it's just coming out in the US again in print in a few uh, next month, mid next month. And it it was just it's a kind of tragic love story, you know, not a yeah. romance, absolutely. Some people pick it up and expect a romance and it doesn't it's not a romance. Yeah. Um, but it was just about two people who, you know, met and fell in love and were destined for, you know, a a challenging relationship journey. And so I, I'd written that inspired by this ridiculous moment. I'd had a bad day at work. I was working in Redfern and I lived in Meadowbank. And I, when I had a bad day, I'd catch the ferry home because, yeah. you know, it's such an impractical form of public transport, but it always cheered me up. I was sitting at the ferry wharf and this woman sitting there, this beautifully dressed woman in a suit um, with no shoes on. And this very attractive man came and sat next to her and I could see him looking at her feet, you know, and I could see he was really uncomfortable about this woman with her dirty, beautiful woman with a dirty bare feet. And that kind of sparked the first scene in the book. And so off we went. They didn't even speak to each other from memory, those two real people, but yeah, <laughs> I have no wow. idea who they are, but they started my whole career. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so you submitted it just cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. In the middle of the night after a few wines, after my friend said some nice things to me at dinner and I got Dutch courage, don't do this aspiring writers, but the, it, it just, I got lucky that they, mm. I must have written something sensible when I hit their submission portal and we went from there. And the way they run it, was it just what people picked up? You know, was it like an algorithm of the most popular book that people were clicking on? No, the, um, the, 
Yeah, so at the time it was just um, uh, the the main staff member at the publisher was a, a man who had worked for Harlequin as a marketing controller for years and he had a publicity assistant with him and everything else was outsourced. Okay. But they, you know, quickly, quickly evolved to run just like every other publisher I've ever worked with, you know, excellent editing and just really top-notch digital marketing and I think that yeah. was behind their success. They figured out how to do it pretty much before everyone else. Yeah, fantastic. And so how was your response to that? Um, I was convinced that if people said negative things about my work, I wouldn't like writing anymore. And that had been my fear for a really long time. And of course, very quickly, people love and people hate your work. And once it's out there, it's out of your control. It's not your business anymore. And I was shocked by how I just, you know, I I would get negative emails or positive emails and positive emails are always wonderful. Don't get me wrong, but it had no impact on my passion for it. So I kept going. <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, that's an interesting point, you know, because I often talk about this, about writing, how difficult it is. You know, there's the story, of course, and there's the craft and there's the discipline of putting all that together. And then there's finding an agent and then there's, you know, being picked up by a publisher. Mm. And then once you put it out there in the world, everybody has an opinion. Yep. And they're enti- they're all valid, you know. Mm. And I I really quickly learned not to look at reviews so, because they're so subjective and they can make or break your day, make or mm. break your writing day. And it, it's someone's valid opinion, even mm. if they hate every word I've ever written and are really incensed by it. That is actually completely fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so so it's that's why I say it's none of my business. Oh, look, we we have enjoyed it at the office. Like, you know, Jane will read something or, Mm. you know, uh, Dex or whatever, and she'll love it or she'll actually, Jane's known if if Jane doesn't like a novel, then it's going to do really well. (laughs) (laughs) She's known for. And it really is. It's so subjective. It is. It is. It is. And your personal experience of a novel is impacted by what what you're picturing, what it triggers in your imagination. What you're doing that day. Yep. Your mood that day. Absolutely. Have you not had your breakfast? You know? And so that's why I that's why I think it's that's actually pretty amazing if you really Mm. think about it. Everyone Mm. is experiencing a novel in their own way. And that's why I I actually think it's much more immersive medium than film because we Mm. all see the same film, but you and I can read the same novel at the same time on the same day sitting side by side and have two completely different experiences. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, firstly, I see the characters in a way that you don't see. Mm, that's exactly so my right. My vision of what a yeah. bloke looks like, or you know, yeah. it's just not what you see. You yeah. know, that's yeah. just the way it is. I'm a real reading is like music for me. 
I can pretty much, particularly books that have had a profound effect on me, I can tell you exactly where I was, what date was, mm. and where I was reading. Mm. Do you mm. find that? Oh, yeah. Uh, like uh, I was in Fiji when I read Eleanor Oliphant and I oh, remember right. standing by, you know, just mm. sitting by the beach and, you know, it, it does. It really it triggers these powerful memories that stay with you. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Just recently The Good Weekend did an article on memoirs. I don't know if you saw it. I think it was Saturday. The lovely Jane Cadso interviewed me a couple of times and there were two books, two memoirs that I read when I was part of the large group of my family, nursing my mother. And they have become part of that story. Mm. Mm. It's amazing Mm. how books are like that. It absolutely is. It really Mm. is. They couldn't be more personal. Mm. Mm. Okay. So you've got digital and then, and also too, e-books, they're very widely read and they're very popular, but they don't have the same kudos as print, which Mm. is kind of crazy because a lot of people... That's what that's what they do. Mm. Um, so tell me about your aspirations then, and and were you writing thinking that I'm really happy with this? I'm happy with ebooks. I'm happy that people are reading my stories, or do I want more? Yeah, I when I first that the first book came out, I remember driving with my husband that night and saying to him, I'd read somewhere that the average first time Australian author sold a thousand books, yeah. and I know that's a really depressing figure, but at the time it seemed amazing and like the like the most ridiculous aspiration that a thousand people would ever have written, read a story that I'd written and so I was just grateful to be published <laughs> and I, I I was someone who wanted to see my books on shelves and I kind of wanted my kids to have that experience of going to a bookstore and there's mum's books but I also was just really grateful and I loved working with that team. And so I did four books with them and then I agonized about what to do. By then I had publishers and agents approaching me and I didn't know what to do. I really didn't. It was actually incredibly stressful because I was happy and content, but I also wanted to try traditional publishing. And so I decided to roll the dice and signed with my amazing agent and then ultimately um, Mm. signed with traditional publishers in, you know, the US and the UK and here. But at the time it really felt like such a crapshoot. I had no idea if I was doing the wrong thing or not, but I love digital publishing. I still think it's, it puts books in the hands of people. The number of people who come up to me at events and say, oh, I read on my Kindle because I'm vision impaired and I can make the writing as big as I want. You don't have to apologize to me for that. That is amazing. It's mm. like when people apologize because they borrow your book from the library. Mm. Don't 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 be don't support your library. Be proud of that. You don't have to apologize. It's people wonderful. say that to me as well. Mm. Oh, I know you're not going to like this, but I borrowed the book. Mm. Oh, no, no, we I love it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I love libraries. Yes, I, have, I worked in a library for many years, a long, long time ago. Uh, and also, too, I think reading is like that. Like, yes, there are royalties. Yes, you know. Authors absolutely have to be paid, but also people want their stories read. Yeah, you know? they do. Yeah. And this yeah. is what I always say to my staff: books are a product, but they're so much more than a product. Oh, they are. And you have to remember that you're working, yeah. you know, with with stories that can actually change people's lives. Absolutely. So, mm. Do you know? I, I worked. My career started in a bookshop. I would, and I worked in a bookshop for bookshops for a very long time. And I don't know if I can still do this now, but I certainly could do it back then. If you told me the last two books you've read, I can pick your next book. <laughs> do you want I to give really, it a go? 
Yeah, I yeah, have really right. high success rate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd yeah. have to think about it because I'm not in, do you know, because you've got to be in that environment. Right? You do and surrounded by it all the time. And yeah. surrounded yep. by it, right? And the other thing too, because at one point you, you will remember Grace Brothers many, many years ago. Yes, yes. And the Grace Brothers book department store in Sydney was on the way to the train station, on the way to tra- Town Hall. And so there would be lots of people who would say, oh, gosh, I was on the train and I and this might happen in your shop now. I was on the train and I saw this woman um, and she was reading a book and it was blue. And it oh, was, yes, oh, yes. You get that? Yes, yes, do you, know, you do. Yes. 90, 95% of the time, I yes. couldn't do that now, but 95% of the time I could get that. Yes. Because I knew what people were reading at the time. Yeah. Yep. I have my assistant manager is a wizard. There's a database yes. in his brain. And he yes. even we were doing stock take a few months ago. And there was this one book that we couldn't find that we knew that we had. And because he's because he's so his product knowledge is so amazing. I said the title and then he described the cover and then he remembered where he saw it on the shelf. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <gasps> yes. So there are that. Booksellers are interesting. I'll come back. I want to come back to your career trajectory, but I'm distracted <laughs> by booksellers because yes. I was one for many years. I worked on the shop floor for many, many years. I had a terrible transition from working on the shop floor to working in an office. I just didn't know what to do with myself in mm, an office. Mm. Whereas when you're working in a retail environment and it was always books, it was, yes. you know, always busy. But there is that personal connection because you are yes. like a lot of customers want to talk to you about what you're yes. reading or what you recommend or, you know, mm. what you've read and they want to discuss the title. Do you mm. find that? Oh, yes. And people come in and say, oh, I've had this happen in my family. Do you have any books yeah. about that? Or yeah. I, I've got a, there's a child in my, you know, this is like we're trying to have many resources for people through the things that happen in family lives. But there's a child in our extended family who's been diagnosed with, mm. you know, this kind of neurodiversity or who's going through this and we need, mm. you know, to I want to buy them a gift, you know, and it, we, our staff are the you know, we are the people that they come to and ask for the story that will help them navigate it. So that's actually a pretty huge responsibility. It is. Let me tell you a funny story. And I just remembered it right then and I can't remember the author. But years ago I was doing um, reviews on the radio. It was like 2GB or one of the big ones, right? And it was talk back as well, which I had zero experience in. And so my job was just to recommend books and easy enough, right? Oh, now I remember the author. And I was talking at that particular time, I was talking about a woman uh, an author, Joanna Trollope, who'd written a book, I think it was called In-Laws or it was about in-laws or something like that. Anyway, they took a call, right? <laughs> they took a call from a listener and he started telling me that he was having trouble with his in-laws, right? And I'm just... <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't called Cheryl for help. <laughs> this is, I'm just talking about it. And I listened to this guy and it was really quite terrible, right? And I, mean, I don't know what to do. I know it was quite terrible. I don't know what to do. And so at the end of it, I said, okay, well, you might want to buy the book then. <laughs> That's all I could come up with. <laughs> I was so not skilled in handling that phone <laughs> But I guess with fiction, I, you know, there's so many answers to everything, isn't there? Yes. In storytelling. Okay, I want to go back. I want to go back then from, you know, like it's so unusual and you know this and I know this to have had this success, right, and mm. really so quickly. Mm. How did you handle that? Um. 
I pretend it's not happening, Cheryl. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> it, it's been, I'm I'm quite a private person. I'm not, I can turn it on when I need to look, appear extroverted, but it's not really my, you know, I'm not an extrovert. I'm happiest in my cave with my document mm. open. Mm. Um, and, but the nice thing about the way this is all unfolded is I can be in orange kind of just tinkering away at my keyboard Every now and again, someone will say to me, oh, I read your book and there's always, a, like someone I know, it's always like almost a degree of surprise, like, oh, mm. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. We've, um, got here, we've got here New York Times, Wall Street uh, Journal, USA Today, and you would have been quite young at the time. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, though, that someone said to me at an event once, what does success look like? And th- yeah. the the lists and the sales, so much of that is out of the control of the author. Mm. Really, actually nearly all of it. And really all we control is the quality of the work that we're producing. And so mm. I think if you get, if you think about it too much, if you get caught up in it too much, it's a bit like reviews. It almost becomes not your business. You get all of the credit. Like it's such mm. a bizarre, bizarre world to live in. So I just try and focus on the story because that's where I started. And that's what I still, you know, when my husband and I talk about retirement plans, he he'll retire one day. And I say, I would like to die slumped over my keyboard, please. Mm. I don't intend to ever stop telling stories. So, so yeah, that's really all we can control. That's, Mm. that's where the focus has to be. Tell me what your day looks like, your work day. How do you structure uh, a writing day? Um, It's a little bit of chaos and a little bit of intense over planning because I plan my books really extensively before I start. Mm. But as I'm writing, especially the first draft, it just comes out how it comes out. So I'll write early in the day or I'll write at midnight. And if I'm in a car, I might pull over and take a voice note. Um, and so. Do you give yourself a word count? Uh, no, I don't really. That doesn't really work for me. My, almost no. all of my writer friends do. But for me, mm. I especially now where I'm kind of juggling, you know, family commitments and mm. there's, there's a bookshop and there's. The, there's the writing and then there's all the stuff that goes around the writing, like the social media and the publicity mm. and the emails. And so I just kind of roll with it. And sometimes and because I dictate my first draft, so sometimes my word count looks really different to most other authors because my first draft tends to be written much faster, but I do lots more editing. And mm. so if I if I just was looking at word count, there's great big chunks of the year where I wouldn't look very productive. Mm. And are you disciplined enough to walk into a room and say, okay, that's it. I'm going to be here for seven hours or five hours? Or- um, yeah, I, I actually, it's very silly, but I, I am when it comes to the writing, but with everything else, I, ha- I use a, an alarm on my watch. I have one hour for this today. Mm. And then when the alarm goes off, I'm going back home to my book. So, Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's not always one hour. Sometimes yeah. it's like six. Otherwise, otherwise, because, it, like, you know, when you're a writer, people often, uh, you know, you once said to me, oh, you're so lucky to have a job when you can just work when you feel like it. Um, and people tend to really underestimate how much time goes into a book. But mm-hmm. even no matter what else I've got going on in my life, the book, other than family, the book always has to come first. So I have to be rigid mm-hmm. about it sometimes. Well, it is your job. And it's your it is. That's exactly right. And it's yeah, my yeah. passion and it's the thing that makes me happiest. So, you know, in terms of like the things in my life that give me joy, there's family, there's the bookshop, and then there's the writing. And the writing is the thing that I always, always dreamed of being able to do for a job. So, you know, it's got to come first. And here you are. Here I am. Yep. Kelly Rimmer, always a pleasure to chat. Yes, Thank you so Cheryl. Much for Thank you. Time. Thanks. Come visit us soon. I will. 
If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.